Summary. I'm your host, George, and it's Return of the King time, baby. You heard him for a long time, then you didn't hear him for a long time. I'm so proud because he did something he's wanted to do forever. He finally got out of Arizona and moved east, but we've got returning to the podcast, Fabio Santana. Fabio, how the hell are you? A little bit worse now that I know we're not talking about Lord of the Rings. Oh, no. Yeah. For a second, I was like, oh, okay. You tricked me. It didn't mean to build the hype. (laughs) We're doing Lord of the Rings instead. No, I'm doing great, man. Glad to be back here. Yeah. God, welcome to. We're in the same time zone. I know. And it's been a while since I've read a comic. So I'm glad I was able to read this story. I selected this comic because it seemed kind of weird. It seemed kind of pretty. I really like the artist. And uh, it was kind of short, which is nice. Spoilers we're talking about a book called uh, One, Two, Three, Four by Grant Morrison and Jay Lee. And it is from the Marvel Knights line. It's also from a couple years before what we normally talk about. Like, we're building up to House of M, right? I felt weird not talking about the Fantastic Four. And to be completely honest, I don't really like the Fantastic Four book at this point in time. It's uh, going through kind of a transitionary period. There was just a really long run by Mark Wade and Mike Waringo, which was really good, but too long to talk about on the show. And then uh, it was, I think, J. Michael Straczynski and Mike McCone, I'm pretty sure, were kind of like doing fill-in duties. And it's it's all leading up to Civil War, and then it's just like a tie-in. Then it's got like a small little filler run that I think is really good. I'm excited to talk about that book by Dwayne McDuffie and Paul Pelletier. And then it's uh, the people who did uh, the Ultimates, right? It's Mark Millar and Brian Hitch. And then after that, it becomes the John Hickman Dale Eaglesham book. And so, like, it's it, big things are about to happen to Fantastic Four, but this current period, contemporaneous with what we're talking about on the main show, not terribly exciting. But I think this book is really weird and interesting and fun. So I want to talk about it. Fabio. Do you like the Fantastic Four? I don't know if I've ever asked you. We talk about a lot of things. I've never read Fantastic Four. Um, I think I liked the first two movies when they came out, like unironically, you know, and that was like pre-MCU, you know what I mean? So it was like the best it was going to get kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I remember enjoying them. I remember them not being great, but I was like more interested in the Fantastic Four. It was kind of silly, Um. but this was the first uh, comic I've read and... I don't know if I like the Fantastic Four now. <laughs> and, you know, this is this. Is, I didn't know that this wasn't like a because who who writes this story? Just this is Grant it. Morrison. Grant Morrison, which is one of your favorite writers, right? One of my most confusing writers. I there's never a time I feel dumber than reading a Grant Morrison book. Yeah, and I fair. think I think they're really good and exciting. I just I honestly think I'm stupid when I read a book by them and I just don't get it a lot of the time. Some of their more straightforward stuff like the early Batman stuff I'm like this is fucking great, but then it gets kind of complicated once uh it ties into Final Crisis. I think their X-Men run is borderline perfect, but then other books are just like way too heady and I'm just like I feel like a fucking moron just like trying to crack it. Like it, it feels like have you ever been in a class where you were like, how did I get here? Like, this is like me in like Algebra 2, where I'm just like, wait, I just had to take one more math class. It doesn't have to be Algebra 2. I can just drop this and take <laughs> fucking probability and statistics. Perfect. Okay, I might graduate high school then. This is this is going to be awesome. <laughs> so I like them a lot. Yeah. Uh, I love the artist, Jay Lee, though. I, I think the art in this book is, pardon the pun, just fantastic. And I will buy any book that has Jay Lee's name on it. 
that's fair okay yeah no i did enjoy the uh the art it feels um i don't know how to like explain it feels a little more mature of art than some other stuff yeah and, and by mature i mean like you know somebody drinking a nice glass of of wine on a you know saturday night with their pipe and their smoking jacket next to a fireplace that's who, who i'm assuming is reading this i know they're not i know they're not reading this I mean, but that's, i know how i did it yeah no, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no i like grant morrison i haven't read too much of theirs but um from what i have read it is very heady i'd like grant morrison on a like human level like i i i find them super interesting um they're super into like magic and occult shit and also like interesting political perspectives so like yeah i i find grant morrison up there with like alan moore as far as like weirdness even though they hate each other right <laughs> or something i'm not <laughs> like familiar on the there. on the drama between maybe them not, maybe not. but it, but it would not surprise Surprise me if they hated each other. I don't think Alan Moore likes anybody. Also, there's there's a YouTube channel I like called Wisecrack. They just do kind of like video essays on philosophy, like pretty much how it applies to pop culture. And there was one video they did on Grant Morrison where I'm I might be I'm paraphrasing here, and I might have to rewatch this after, and I'll, I'll definitely share the link. But like I'm pretty sure they were talking about how Grant Morrison once got like a staph infection and was like near death, and then was convinced that they were visited by aliens from a higher dimension. Oh. And it explained like the mega structure of the universe to them, and that like changed Graham Morrison's opinion on like storytelling, which doesn't really make the most sense because they were kind of diving into this stuff. Like back in the '90s, there was uh, like Vertigo became popular, right? And that was like a, a sub imprint of DC Comics, and they were doing a book called Animal Man. And that was like really metatextual where like it culminated in like the character Animal Man actually meeting Grant Morrison, the writer, and like acknowledging them as like some kind of God. And like it, it sounds arrogant when I explain it. It didn't I don't remember it being that arrogant in the book, but it was just like, no, like we are three dimensional beings. You are a two dimensional being like existing in like this reflection of the universe. We are time gods who can like flip through the page and like everything's happening all at once. If we were to like look at these images simultaneously, we can do that. If we were to cut up each panel and, you know, lay them out on a floor, like we could absorb this entire story. Like it was just, it's very interesting the way they perceive the medium. And I think one thing I like about this book is that it is confusing, but also relatively straightforward. Yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like when I was reading it, it felt like it was like jumping through some things that I didn't fully like. I felt like I jumped around a lot more than I was ready for, but it just also was like straight through it to the point. Like there was no like extra conversations. There was nothing like no filler, you know, it mm. was just like down with the story and no extra information. Like very, very much so. Why. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, it's weird. Like I've read this story countless times. I do think this is like one of the better fantastic four stories. If someone says they're interested in fantastic four, this wouldn't be like the first book I recommend to them, but it's definitely like one of the first six or seven I would, I would point them to. And I, I've read this several times. I've I've had the single issues. I have like the the trade paperback. I was so confused until like halfway through. I want to say like issue three, where I was just like, wait, what the fuck is happening? Like, what's going on in this book? Granted, 
I was reading this, you know, right before my sleepy time. So I wasn't, you know, like the, the best uh, straight A student tackling the source material here. But uh, it really clicked. Like, like I said, like halfway through the third issue, I'm like, oh, fuck. Now this is kind of epic. And I love that it's a four issue story because like it is just very condensed and really breezy. Like it just like blows through the story very quickly. It does. Yeah. Yeah. For for better and, and for worse. Yeah. Yeah. There were a few things I didn't really I had never really heard of when it came to the Fantastic Four. Like I, I didn't know that they had a uh uh let me see what what was it called? Um uh, Fantastic Car. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a it's a flying car. These it's like a flying square. It's a it... flying three-dimensional tetris block yeah it's kind of like if you lay a re- refrigerator down and take the door off and you're just yeah. like in the refrigerator yeah <laughs> yeah it's like a cat jumping into a box and now you, it's in a you joke car. i'm like 99 sure that was in the second movie so you just sound was like it a, really? you, you just sound like a fucking fake nerd now not uh, even not even knowing what you're talking about <laughs> who knows what happened in that silver surfer movie nobody knows silver surfer uh, looked cool and that's all that matters i want to get more into this when we actually cover that movie but man i saw that movie that was like the last movie i saw with my first girlfriend and it was like so clear that the writing was on the wall for the relationship and we both she was like you wanted to see this right i guess we should go see it and i was like our relationship is crumbling this sucks but yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go see this fucking movie. It's gonna <laughs> maybe this will make me feel better. It didn't. It's fine. It's whatever. Doing great yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. That happened yeah. to me when I went to go see one of those Hobbit movies in theaters. Oh yeah. I was like, huh. This ain't gonna work out, is it? Was it uh, 48 <laughs> frames per second, or were you just seeing it in the past like everyone else? No, I saw it 48 frames per second with the goggles that were assigned to the movie. I had all three sets, uh, and uh, none of those movies were great. Nope, they certainly weren't. And God, I like dragged my brother and my dad. We were all in L.A. when that movie came out. And I dragged them to some theater that was just so fucking far away from the closest theater that we could have just walked to and seen and like gone to a bar after. I was like, no, it's playing at 48 frames per second. I really got to see it like this. They were they were so mad. They're like, yeah, oh, cool. I'm glad we drove an hour and a half to go see this movie and have it look like shit the entire time. But at least it was I also, also two and a half asleep. hours long. It's like, oh, cool. I fell asleep like a good three quarters of a way in. And uh, yeah, it was not uh, it's not a good time. Certainly not here but... for Lord of the Rings. As much yeah, as but wish. that was that was 2013 <laughs> or 2014 even. Let's let's this is pre 9-11. This is pre 9-11, which explains why there is no like weird political shit going on. Like, yeah, things really. were good, man. This was this book came out July 25th, 2001. No one was invading Latvia or wherever it was. What's Latveria? Latveria, yeah, so Latveria, yeah, it's it's a fake place, right? I wonder too, like, just was it like a cloud of smoke and like day scotches with Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and Roy Thomas and like all these like you know nineteen sixties greats, and they were just like, well, he's got to be from Eastern Europe, so uh, let's just look at a map, and they see Latvia, and they're like, okay. There's something that's there. not going to exist in five years. <laughs> Fuck yeah. it. Yeah, just like okay, add an R. <laughs> it's a different place. Ta-da! Mm-hmm. I wonder if that is how they came up with it. Yeah, a lot of those Eastern European. Well, no, that was a long ass time ago. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you ready to go back to more innocent age? Can I tell you a little bit about July two thousand one? Yeah, please do. 
All right. So this book came out July 25th. It was the 27th best-selling book of July. It sold 52,165 issues. That's a lot. That is a lot. That would be considered like pretty successful by by today's standards. Because like a couple years later, we talked about on the Batman Hush, that was selling like 120,000 issues. Damn. Okay, and that was like a mainstream. That was like a huge, huge hit. It turns out when you sell your comics in more places than just specialized comic book stores, they sell more issues. That's something to remember. Because like I was, I think I grabbed this from like a candy store that was in my town. You know, like that was back when comics were like literally everywhere and it was the truly golden time and we, we didn't know how good it was. This was. Yeah, I remember there was like a comic rack in our supermarket. Yeah, it was like a little spinning like oh, rack. The, the spinner rack, yeah, that's that's the yeah. name of the <laughs> blog at shortboxsummary.com. Oh, is it? Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was why. Okay. <laughs> this book came out one month after Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley took over New X Men. They took like the the adjective list X Men book from 1990. They turned it into New X Men. This is a m- month after that story started i think this is the issue like the the issue that came out was 116 the same month as as fantastic four one two three four and i'm pretty sure that's when like the giant tri-sentinel just fucking obliterates genosha and just murders 16 million mutants in like six panels yeah so it's a pretty big month for marvel but good mutant genocide good oh my month. god that run is so fucking good i can't wait to like wrap up like the the thread i'm trying to do which will only take me like three or four more years it's gonna be great and then i can go back and talk about the stories i really want to talk about like mm-hmm. like new x-men it's gonna be awesome fabio it wasn't just comic books and mutants and and hula ho- hooting and hollering in july there was also some real world shit going on was there yeah man venus williams wins her third career Grand Slam at Wimbledon. That was a big deal. Okay, all right. The Office premiered in the UK in July 2001. Oh, shit, how insignificant for Americans that was. Yeah, that it's we, like... That, at the time, that we No, thought. no, thanks. I'll wait four years and wait till, yeah. you know, Jim Halpert does a weird... Was it Tim? Was that Martin Freeman's name on the show? I don't know. I didn't actually like the know. British. I office. never really. I watched like half an episode of that show. Yeah, British like humor show. makes me so uncomfortable. Like, I think it's great in person. Like, if you're like at a bar talking to a British person, they're like usually the funniest person you've ever spoken to. But man, on TV, it's just like so fucking dry. I just can't do it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Monty Python, but anything else is uh, could be yeah. or, or Ricky Gervais. Yeah, I you know why? Because like Gervais, even though he's an it, asshole. Everyone else just like tries to be like subtle. And man, Monty Python. Not not mm. super subtle. Neither is Ricky Gervais. No. So that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Spirited Away releases in Japan this year. Holy shit. Yeah. And then I think I it would win the know that, that was the same time. I think it would win the 2004 Oscar. Okay, I think okay. it like they didn't do it until uh until it came west. Okay. And then um sad news, Lance Armstrong wins his third straight tour to France, but that title has since been vacated due to his doping scandal. Do you think his doping made his balls fall off? That's the real story. He lied about the rest of the the rest of the the cancer stuff. No, I'm pretty sure the cancer is why he was taking the the dope. Oh. Bummer. Man, what happened to all those bracelets? Man, people were wearing bracelets to go buy this comic. You realize Oh that? my god, yeah. The, the, Everyone wanted those little yellow fucking bracelets to go buy the this comic. yellow live strong. I remember everyone everyone thought I had a yellow live strong uh bracelet on, but uh, this was also the time that baller bands got really popular from Nike. 
And so I just had like a yellow wristband that just said baller on it. I, well, Were I didn't those really, the ones that had the really medals play basketball. in them? No. Oh, okay. At least, not, at least not the one I had. Okay, 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 okay. I remember there was like a scheme going on for a while where people were wearing metal bracelets in, in the NBA because it supposedly made you jump higher because it helped restore your natural, your body's natural uh, uh, metals. It was like, I don't, you don't remember this? I do not remember this, no. There, it was such a thing. I'd say like maybe 2005, 2006. Hilarious. Anyway, don't follow trends. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. <laughs> You'll end up with a stupid br yellow bracelet or a metal one, and they're all dumb, is the point. Yeah, the only bracelets that work are those ones for seasickness. Those are the only ones I trust. <laughs> uh, all right, top five movies. Jurassic Park 3 ruled the box office oh in July. Uh, I remember I sitting in the back of my friend's mom's Ford Taurus uh, wagon, and he explained... The beginning of Jurassic Park 3 from beginning to end because uh -huh. he had just seen it in theaters and I wasn't allowed to see it because it was PG-13 and that was out of my element. Sure, sure. According yeah. to my mom. And uh, yeah, he explained that entire movie's plot and I was just like mind melting, like couldn't even because I snuck seeing the first Jurassic Park at another friend's house. I wasn't allowed to watch that one either. And it mm -hmm. was awesome. And I wanted to see three so bad. And he explained the whole plot for me. And that was like seeing it. That that was the like the 19 like or like pre like inner like big internet internet on your phone. Right. Whereas like your friend explaining to you a movie you weren't allowed to watch. No, that shit really was, was the best. Awesome. Yeah. I'm sure was, you did that for some friends. You were I the was, friend explaining it. I was the friend explaining, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You did you, you don't even know the service you provided. You couldn't even understand. Jurassic Park 3 being explained by a fellow like 11 year old might be better than the actual Jurassic Park 3. That is 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a revelation I've had recently with Aaliyah is just seeing like, you know, on paper, this is really fucking cool. Like if I were just to explain to you what happens in this thing, it would sound awesome. It's the execution where it usually falls short. But like, yeah, but when it, like a 12 year old's explaining it to you while you're playing his Game Boy Advance, mm -hmm. his clear purple Game Boy Advance playing Tony Hawk on, in the car. Like, yeah. it's a really good movie. <laughs> Everyone knows that's the best way to play Tony Hawk. Also, <laughs> it's the best is way on, to watch on Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> 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 to have it told to you. <laughs> Number two at the box office. I saw this one in theaters. Planet of the Apes. The Tim oh. Burton directed Mark Wahlberg starring. Oof. Not good movie. No, man, Usually, that movie Whenever is... I rewatch those, I skip that one. That movie fucking sucks. Yeah, I forgot how much you actually love Planet of the Apes. I do. They're incredible, incredible, like, pieces of theater. They're not even... They should just be, like, plays. They shouldn't even be movies. I do think it's really funny, too, that I'm, like, 99% sure that at the end, Mark Wahlberg kisses that ape woman. <laughs> he fucks that Paula Abdul ape woman, for sure. Yeah, but it's Helena Bonham Carter who's playing the ape it's woman. Paul it, isn't it? Is it Paul Abdul? <laughs> no, but it no. Looks oh, you're telling. Like okay, okay, got it, got it. <laughs> I was like, wait, really? In my, in my brain, that in was your Paul head canon. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, as a kid. Yeah. Now, what a weird movie. Yeah, the movie wasn't great. No. It's How did I convince my dad to see that? Because like he had to know that movie looked like shit. But I was see, it was July, so I had I was either ten years old or I had just turned eleven. Yeah, I mean, either one of those are good reasons to want to go see a Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. 
I mean, it's not like I knew like, oh, wait, the guy who didn't, <laughs> the guy who did the Nightmare Before Christmas. I, like, I, I wasn't like that. It's like fucking Beetlejuice guy did this. But I, I wasn't like putting those puzzle pieces together. <laughs> no, it just looked cool. It looked badass. It really did. It was so dark in the in the yeah. in the theater. And I remember my dad actually rented the original Planet of the Apes movie before. And even as like an eleven year old, I'm like, I think You're that like, this is so much better. I'm like, I think that 1963 movie with that very anger man is probably better than this one with this cool, cool young man who's in that <laughs> rap group. Yeah, forgave him too soon. Yeah, that guy is such a piece of shit. I fucking hate Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Number three, Cats and Dogs. That's a movie <laughs> with people wow, dubbing, dubbing over cats and dogs. Yeah, it took a minute for me to remember what movie that was. I just all I could see was the uh, VHS cover in my brain. Yep, I remember it. I'm not gonna lie, man. Sometimes I'll get a little drunk by myself, and uh, I'll go on YouTube when I'm like reading comics for this show, and I'll just throw on. There's this one channel, like I, th- I think it's called like Ruens or something. I don't know. I'll share it out. Actually, I usually share it out because it's just like, here's a half hour block of commercials from 2002. <laughs> Here, here's a block of commercials from 1999. I was like, oh man, I remember watching TV a lot those days. Let's see if I remember any of these commercials. And the amount of fucking trailer bumpers I've seen for Cats and Dogs just in the last six months, it's just, it was inescapable on that channel. I like doing old stuff, but for like old news channels where they're talking about like the war on terror. Oh, uh, to watch uh, like stuff like there's a channel that has tons of it's just hours and hours of like news from like 2000s. A bunch of these amazing. clips are a bunch of these clips are like some fucking guy who just recorded TV nonstop in Cleveland. And, yeah. and so like it'll be like a commercial for cats Lesson. and dogs. And then it'll be like, do the Indians have a chance for the pennant this <laughs> season? And it's just like more on that at 7 p.m. And, you know, yeah. it's just like all this shit. And you just see so many like local weathermen just like doing bumpers and breaks and stuff yeah movie number four scary movie two i think i saw that in theaters because i was obsessed i made my dad take me to see scary movie one a year before for my 10th birthday see that was another movie where fuck you're bringing a lot of memories back (laughs) to me uh that was a movie where i remember um i don't remember scary movie one or two i'm pretty sure it was two where he has a little hand yeah yeah, I was, I, was, I was waiting and, for your friend to do the impression, like, better use my strong hand. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they explained to me, somebody explained to me that there was a scene where some girl offered to do something sexual to him. Oh, yeah, no, I was, was going to no, bring this up. I'll yeah. do it myself. And I thought he was putting his dick into his own butt. Oh no, that's not what happened. I thought his wiener like went like he flipped that and then like it went oh, like, up and like in. a gymnastics wiener. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea what a blowjob was. Yeah. So I remember like being like young. I was like eleven and she offered to give him a blowjob. I was like, whoa, this movie's about to get really cool. And then he's like, No, I don't need your help. I can do that <laughs> yeah, on my own. And then he starts blowing himself. And I was like, yeah. Oh man, I, I for some the- reason yeah, I thought I was going to see a blowjob. Then I was like, wait, you can blow yourself <laughs> as an 11 year old. And I was like, you tried it. No, I I'm sure I did. But I think I was like Everyone so bad does. at it that I could like lie to myself and pretend that I didn't. You know, like it's not yeah, like yeah, I got close yeah. enough where I was like, oh, it's so close to doing it. it's like I was kind of chubby as like an 11 year old. No, I was, like, wasn't great at like crunches, didn't have a, a lot of flexibility or pliability. It wasn't me. Yeah, I think uh, at the time I was just more interested in the in the dick butt theory. Yeah, I mean that's definitely fu- that's definitely funnier. Yeah, it's definitely funnier, but without understanding what any of the context was and doing it himself, 
you know, it was just very, very confusing to a, a young, uh, what is this? 2001, 2001, yeah. A young 10 year old version of myself. Sure. Yeah. Number five at the box office, America's Sweethearts, which is a John Cusack, Julia Roberts movie where they play actors who just had like a messy breakup. And I think it's like their publicist is trying to keep them together. I don't know. I haven't seen it since it's like HBO run. And we normally just talk about uh, the the top five movies. I'm just going to burn through the rest of the top 10 because it's kind of an amazing list. Yeah, go for it. Number six, the original Fast and Furious. Number seven, Legally Blonde. Number eight, AI, Artificial Intelligence. Number nine, The Score. Number 10, Dr. Doolittle 2. Really weird list of movies. I miss that America, man. That America had so few problems, you know? Yeah, when Dr. Doolittle came out. Yeah, that was the biggest problem was that Dr. Doolittle came out. Yeah, it was 2001. Nobody was texting. <laughs> you know, if you wanted if you wanted to know what time a movie was playing, you had to load up the movie phone app if that was even fucking out yet. You right. know, you had to connect to a very special type of internet on your on your phone. You were pretty isolated. You were still I don't like think you I were, had a phone at the time. You were, I didn't have a phone until 2007, but I'm saying like it's hard to get a hold of people. You had like some semblance of privacy. Didn't seem like the right. world was about to fucking explode. Like it was, I think it was the last time I wasn't worried was July 2001. Yeah, we had no idea what was going on. No. They didn't, uh, they didn't tell us. No, and like, I think like around this time, actually like Russia like was fighting in Chechnya or something. Like, like there was shit going on. This was like after the USS Cole was bombed. But you know, right. it was, I was fucking 11. I didn't care. Scary Movie 2 came exactly. out. I, I just learned about blowjobs and my friend Fabio just learn learned the about. Dick butt theory. Yeah, worked. my friend Fabio just learned about dick butts. It was, <laughs> <laughs> what a summer. I didn't have summer. time to worry about the war on terror. All right, Fabio, you ready to hear the Billboard Hot 100? Because holy shit, what a list. Yeah, let's do it. All right, number one, you remind me, Usher. Oh my god! The, how, did you ever dedicate that song to anybody? Because I remember I had friends that definitely did. Oh, at like a school dance, or just like, like back back in the day, you couldn't or just on send the a radio, girl, like a text message with like a link to a song or a YouTube song. You had to be like, this "I is, dedicate this song to you." This is you pre. Tell them. I mean, this is pre YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you'd have to tell them like. I dedicate this song. I remember my friend did it on a radio station and he did it uh, in person as well. And um, yeah, it's a big song. I remember dedicating it to a girl I had a crush on in high school by calling up B97, yep. which, which was like the pop station. And so it was 947-9797. It was really easy to remember <laughs> that number. Yeah, I remember dedicating that. I thought Usher was like the fucking coolest person when I was 11. Um, number two, Hit 'em up style by Blue Cantrell. Wow, they never made any other songs. They did. It's just nothing hit quite like Hit 'em up style. Okay, yeah. No, I know exactly what song that is. All right, you ready for song number three? Let Me Blow Your Mind by Eve featuring Gwen Stefani. Well. Well. 
I fucking love this song. There was also uh, that Moby song with Gwen Stefani. I think it's called Southside. I think I liked some Gwen Stefani stuff before she thought she was Japanese. And then when she did that, I was I was kind of confused. And yeah, did not d- didn't love that turn, which sucks because she was so hot in all those videos. Because that was like her first solo album, right? In like 2005. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And then she had like the... Where she wrote a song about not knowing what to write about. And it somehow caught everyone's Take attention. Take a chance, you stupid hot... Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. That whole song is about not knowing how to write a song. Yeah. It's so frustrating. That's like fucking Kiss talking about liking to rock and roll. You're already doing it, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I just, I still don't, I don't understand. No, but they like to do it all night. And they like to party every day. Anyway, we're just get, fucking we're, do it. We're, we're getting too far away. This is like one of my favorite songs ever. I think Eve is fucking incredible in this song. Absolutely amazing. This is like one of my favorite driving songs of all time. Okay. That's fair. Number four, Peaches and Cream by 112. (laughs) You have opinions, I see. I just, I remember being a young Jehovah's Witness boy preaching and we had like, this this family that we were like giving bible studies to and i was giving bible studies to the youngest son he was really cool we got along really well and he told me about that song and it's just like it's like all of this shit's just coming back to my brain today <laughs> it's really weird it makes sense makes sense yeah, number he five gave me a stormtrooper toy i had to throw out oh why'd you, have to, why'd you have to throw it out i had seemed violent because it was like because it was called a stormtrooper which they had no idea what it was called it just looked he didn't even have the gun yet. I lost the blaster. They found it in my bag and they thought I stole it. My mom did not trust me. Oh, no. It's a lot. <laughs> Don't be a Jehovah's Witness boy taking stormtrooper toys from random boys that like peaches and cream, George. <laughs> <laughs> What's the learn? Yeah, no, it's everyone write that down. That's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a good, good way to live. All life. you young 2001ers. Song number five, Hanging by a Moment by Lifehouse. Man, I gotta tell you, Fabio, 11-year-old George thought this song was so fucking romantic. How Christian did you know that band was? I didn't until five seconds ago when you asked are, are they a christian rock band think about all their all their lyrics <laughs> they are very much a christian rock because i knew switchfoot was a christian rock band but they got so me good Lifehouse. they got me good because like their, their first couple were free and didn't seem very christiany you were meant but, to be you were meant to live for so much more well okay i was 14 i was i was 14 and there was like a hot chick in the video so i was like oh yeah he just like wants to be like in a relationship i didn't know it was a relationship with god but lifehouse hanging by a moment here with you i like yeah 11 year old george is just like i would stay up until you know 9 20 at night just so i could hear that because they were like b97 shout out no longer a radio station by the way actually it might be but i think it's just like high school sports across maine Anyways, uh, they used to do top five at nine. And uh, yeah, man, always love staying up late to listen to this song because I thought the song was a fucking bop. And I thought it was like a time on the watch where you'd be like, oh, 
fucking 10 16 no but i had i had uh i had a bedtime of of nine where i I didn't have to go to bed but i just had to be in my room okay yeah and uh yeah so i just listened to the radio and then after listening to top five at nine i would always throw on like an adam sandler comedy album to try to fall asleep (laughs) i love that what the hell happened to you? I was like, I don't know, Adam Sandler. Why don't you tell me what the hell happened to you? Uh, all right, just for painting more of a picture, number six, Drops of Jupiter by Train. Number seven, oh Lady Marmalade God. by Christina Aguilera, Lil Kim, Mayan Pink. Number eight, Bootylicious by Destiny's Child. Number nine, All or Nothing by O-Town. Number 10, Drive. What a fucking list. Like, what, what a, a year. What a strong back five there. Yeah. Fabio, is July 2001 maybe the last time you were happy? I'm trying to think. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe 9-11 just changed us because they told us it did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I, 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 it's it's interesting, though. It is interesting, like, how many memories I have from that specific fucking year, apparently. It's really weird because I don't a lot of my childhood is just lost. I don't know if you're the same way, but like a lot of it is just lost in my brain forever. And it's just really weird that this all just shot in. Well, especially like after you fuck know, you, Fantastic Four, especially after COVID, you know, like where it's just like, oh, man, like what a haze these past four years have been. And so like to go through the list, yeah. like, yeah, I was I was doing the research. I, I was on Billboard.com just seeing what was what was bumping. And I was just like, O-Town fucking O-Town existed. Like, I don't know how I forgot O-Town was a thing. I haven't thought of this shit in so long. It's awesome. Well, that, it's like, honestly, like, all due respect to to Destiny's Child, but, like, Beyonce is so much bigger than Destiny's Child ever was. And, like, I I don't blame someone for kind of forgetting about Destiny's Child, you know? And so just to see Bootylicious, I'm like, fuck, yeah, that was a really big deal. That song, like, really mattered. Do you ever feel like it's a little bit bullshit that like Beyonce is like, we're not doing a podcast on Beyonce. We're doing a podcast on the Fantastic Four today. But you think it's a little bit bullshit that Beyonce gets so much recognition when she doesn't do jack shit. She like comes out every couple of years and releases like some bullshit album that's like produced by 50 million people. And then she like everyone fucking loves her and calls her a queen and forgets the how shitty royalty would have treated them if they were alive. Like, do you think that that's just like a weird parallel in like society uh, where like everyone still respects her even though she doesn't deserve it? I am not going after the Bayhive on this episode. That's I'm, gonna, fine. I'm gonna let you deal with that on your own. <laughs> I will say I didn't love the last album. I feel like she usually establishes trends, and I I didn't. Well, you fucking better when you have fifty people producing one song. Well, I feel like she usually creates the things that other people follow, and with this last album, I think it was just like. It was like a pretty good 90s house album. And I'm like, no, this should have blown me away. Yeah, I'm but not she, she's I, a bad musical artist. I just Yeah, no, I, 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 no, she's she's incredible. She's very talented. But I was a little underwhelmed with her last album. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to let you deal with the hate. For... It's fine. <laughs> it's I'm okay. Not, not a lot of people listen anyway. to the show anyway. I'm sure no one cares that you. Nobody listens. Nobody goes on Twitter to yell at people anymore. It's Elon Musk ruined Twitter. It doesn't That's matter. That's true. He kind of did, actually. Yeah. all right we're about to jump into the book before we even do that though thank you for making it this far thanks for putting on your shoes and walking back to july 2001 with us uh thank you again short book short book I'll get through the book quick. oh short book thought i was about, like 
I thought you were saying short buck. I'm like, no, it's not what the podcast is called. The pot is short box is is the the podcast. Short buck where everything's under 99 cents. There's no story like us. Short buck Sumerian. That's us. Um, If you found the podcast, that's really cool. You can, you can leave a review on whatever you're listening to the podcast through that. That'd be really cool. Please share this podcast to people who you think might like it. Please write in to purplebird616 and just shoot the shit with us. Just just talk about comics with us. Let us know you're listening. Let us know what you want us to cover. And tell be us what real person. Yeah, tell us what would make a better show too. That'd be that'd be fucking I'll wicked be wild also. Let me know you exist. Yeah. We don't know you exist. I don't know you exist. You don't are know there, you are exist. there any other people or is it just you and I? Are we the last people in the universe fabio i wouldn't like fucking a... know i don't hang out with anybody so yeah you're in the nice woods in new jersey i'm in the woods in maine it kind of feels like we're the last two people yeah if you think about it hard enough everyone else is just a hologram so we don't feel alone respectfully like, i saw like I... death stranding Re- respectfully i saw you drinking a, a vodka drink with your right hand and then i saw you drinking a miller light with your left hand <laughs> yeah a little bit of stoli for the right a little bit of miller light for the left Ooh. Yeah, I'm just drinking. I'm just doing doing the red wine in the left hand. So fuck it. I don't know how long we've been recording. We might be the last two people. So as the last two people, I think we owe it to the aliens who find our bodies. An episode about one, two, three, four. <laughs> what a stupid fucking name. So when you told me that the name like this comic to look up, you sent me a link for it. Thank God, because if you would have told me fucking fantastic for one, two, three, four, I would have been angry. Like you, you, it's a typo or like your phone fucked up or it's some weird emoji that's not coming through. That's a really weird name for the comic. And I don't think I understand it as like, other than like when they like literally count, like, okay, that's number one, two, three, and four, like that he eliminated. We'll get to it. But we'll get like, to it. is that literally the name of the comic? That's the point of it. Well, that and there's down that and there's four of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about it's it. It's so redundant. God damn it. Okay, anyway. <laughs> it's literally the numbers one, two, one, then two, then three, then four. That's it. Like, and there's no space. It's just all bunched up if you're looking it up. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird comic book name. This book came out between July and October 2001. I only wrote down the cover dates because that's what's listed in Marvel Unlimited. And to be frank, it was just just easier for me to find out. It came out July 25th. I had to do some research on Comicron, which is an amazing website that I always like to uh, throw a bone to when I can and give them a mention. But I I didn't want to do that for every issue and find out which date it came out. So uh, with a cover date of October 1st, 2001, that is the date they were supposed to remove it from stores. One, two, three, four, number one was written by Grant Morrison, drawn by Jay Lee, colored by Jose Villarubia, lettered by Richard Starkings and Wes Abbott. Let's light this firecracker. Let's just fucking do it. Yeah, get into it. While Reed Richards has locked himself away in a room designed for him to think the rest of the Fantastic Four are feeling restless and unappreciated, Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing, takes out a few supervillains on his own and gets heckled by emergency services there to clean up the scene. Even the villains he stops complain about him being too rough. Sue feels ignored by her husband and frustrated by his lack of attention. Johnny's bored by everything. He's bored by Reed being locked up and pissing away his marriage to his sister. He's bored of Ben's complaining. And he's bored of nothing to do. The city is going through a heat wave and tensions flare easily. Ben starts talking to Dr. Doom through a decommissioned Doombot and gets teleported away to Latveria, the kingdom that Doom rules. He says he's tired of this war and being called a villain. He shows Ben what he blames for redoing to, uh, to his face. And he says he needs five minutes to cure him. 
something Reed has never been able to do by simply walking up a staircase where light is frozen and time is turned to space. At the top of the stairs, Ben finds himself back in New York City, completely human, unrecognizable to the world (laughs) at large, and denied entry to the Baxter building and his family before he's hit by a car in a hit and run. Back in Latveria, Doom destroys a figurine (laughs) of the thing and says how to destroy a man, grant him his heart's desire. And that is issue one. Question. You're laughing. So, what what's so what's so funny, Chuckle Fuck? What 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 what's fucking, got your goad this time? Fucking the thing getting hit by a car, like that is the funniest shit. Like, but question. Um yeah, hit me. So is this continuity wise? Is this because I, I didn't I don't really know what's going on like comic book wise. Is this um is is there any like information I should know already about the fans other than like the, the fucking movie's backstory? Is there anything like that I should know about like why Sue is being like so neglected or why Johnny's such a fucking piece of shit? Like, is there is there anything else, any other context, any other books that like lead up to this moment, or is this just like a self-contained story? Now they're all like it's a self-contained story, and like okay. I, I think it's technically out of continuity because this is part of like the Marvel Knights line, right? Which is like kind of Marvel's at the time anyway, like prestige format where it was just like no, this is like where the serious books are happening because Marvel Knights started in 1998, and like that's where like Kevin Smith's Daredevil started, right? And so that was like the the reboot, I guess, of like Marvel trying to get out of financial turmoil, and they were like, no, what if we got like serious people to tell serious stories? And so this is a book from that line where they're clear, they are really doing better. And so it's like out of continuity, but there's also no reason to suggest that like it's not also in continuity as well. Like this could just as easily be like another adventure they had that you know just doesn't get mentioned the way thousands of their adventures don't get mentioned. Sure, yeah, I think most comics should be self-contained. It, like I understand the reason for long comic book runs, but like seeing episode or issue like 500 and something is fucking stressful to me. So I love mm-hmm. these like small contained stories. I wish everything was just contained within its own name and doesn't exist anywhere else. Like that's just its own universe using these characters. Like I wish that's how most shit was, but I get that's not how it works. And there's a reason why it keeps going, but DC seems like they're actually kind of switching over to that. Like they have got like really? big, big ongoings, but like the new, the new uh, Doom Patrol book is like a six issue miniseries. And they're like, yeah, we have shit planned out for a while, but like based on sales for this, like we'll see how it goes. And so it's just going to be told in like six part miniseries. And like that's, I love that. That's going to be the format. I'm going to look that up. I'm very interested in that actually. Yeah, it's like that. And like I think the new Green Arrow book and like the Green Arrow book, I think is like kind of absolutely going to get, you know, commissioned for like a second season could just because like the talent on the book is like, all-star level like it's like the best writer and like one of the best artists at dc so like i think it's gonna get a green light pretty quickly but we're we're getting we're getting yeah, torn yeah, away yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry um, sorry i'll good. i'll get you were laughing so you were laughing at ben getting hit by a car fucking hilarious like what was it <laughs> it seemed kind of sad I mean, to me <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 he's so whiny like this is my first introduction to the fantastic four comics mm-hmm. and he's so fucking whiny Right yeah. off the bat. Like, I didn't know how whiny the thing was. I thought, I knew he was like this, like, it's clobbering time. Like, he's very corny New York. Like, I don't know where part, but I'm assuming Queens. I come, I come from Yancey Street. I'm the yeah. thing here. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he reminds me of people that I've, like, met in real life and that I can't stand. So, 
Um, he's just like a very poor me kind of guy, and I get why because his skin is made out of fucking Lego bricks. But like, <laughs> I I don't know. I just it was funny to me that he was like all he wanted was to be like back to normal, and then as soon as he did, he got what he wished for, and he just was a dumbass. There's a story reason for that. There is. There is a story reason for that, but it's it's funny. But it sounds it sounds like funny. you're unsatisfied by the story reason for that. I'm a little I thought it was a little uh I mean, we'll get into it, but I think I understand what you mean. This is like a, you know, a Grant Morrison story that I I'm like, okay, this is kind of just a very heady, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to make sense. It just is is how I'm viewing it. I think Grant Morrison stories in particular, like just really don't hold your hand, right? Like everything is so telegraphed. I feel like in modern comics where it really is just like looking at storyboards and everything flows really clearly. And I actually, I think it kind of makes comics like a little boring, but like also like really fun to read like 12 of them just because you're like escorted through the story. And then you read a Grant Morrison book and it's just like, all right, fuck, like what's happening in this panel? Oh, the art actually matters here because something really subtle is happening. That's not explained through dialogue the way every other fucking comic is done. It's like, okay, all right. Oh, there's no narration boxes really like to like, tell me what to think. Tell me what to feel. It's like, I really have to pick up on it from like the actual facial expressions of, of the. That's fair. Of the characters and like in fur tone. So like, just from that, like I think Grant Morrison books are a little more challenging just because they really trust the reader to pick up on what's there. And maybe that's the artist being like, I don't know what the fuck this book's about. So I'm just going to, I am dying. I haven't looked at a Grant Morrison (laughs) script in a long time, but like, I have to imagine like there there needs to be like an abstract at the beginning of a Grant Morrison comic to be like, okay, so we're going to tell a story like really convolutedly, but like you shouldn't be convoluted. You're the fucking artist. You're the person. So like, here is like a, a paint by numbers breakdown of what, the story is so that you understand all my fucking weird chicken scratch writing that will allude to a point four issues down the line. I hope that's what happens for the sake of the artist. Otherwise, like I might actually just be a lot dumber than I thought I was trying to put together a Grant Morrison. No, I I think, I think some of it's a little just kind of like, it doesn't need to make sense. It just, it sounds badass, you know, unless he's really like that deep into his own brain, but I do have a question before we get into issue two. Is this where Alicia comes into play? Sue? Is this the Sue story? Uh, The next one is, I believe, yeah. Okay. If you could just explain to me who Alicia is as you go through it, because okay. I don't know who the fuck that person is. I'll just explain it to you now. And I've also, I've got some quotes and some some observations from this issue too okay. before, before we wrap cool. up. Alicia Masters is Ben's longtime girlfriend. She is blind oh! and, a, and, a, and a sculptress. And she is yeah. she is the daughter of someone named the Puppet Master or the Puppeteer. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure it's the I've Puppet heard, Master. Heard that, that person, but it's yeah. it's a villain who like has some ability to create figurines basically of people and then kind of yeah. like voodoo control. control them. Voodoo shit, yeah, yeah. And so she is the I, I mean, I say voodoo, he, he's not it's not a, voodoo. It's yeah, not voodoo. It's, yeah, he's, he's just a weird white dude. Yes, correct, yeah. <laughs> he, is, he is not from the west indies he's not actually doing that he's, he's just... like a dude that you can imagine that enjoys puppeteering if you can imagine what that person looks like a hundred percent a hundred thousand million percent yes <laughs> yeah. and so alicia master she's blind and ben oh, is always okay. so confused as to why someone oh. so beautiful would love him 
And she's like, "Cause I see, cause I see you for who you really are." I'm like, so there's we'll get into it. I'm just sure George will like touch into it. But like, there's this there's parts where Alicia's like t- like hanging out with Sue Storm, who is invisible. Yeah. And Sue is invisible the entire fucking time. Yeah, you and literally so, you, you just see a glass of Pinot Noir just floating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so Alicia's like, every once in a while, Alicia's like, "Hey, are you still there, Sue?" <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was just because the fucking asshole was invisible. I didn't realize it was because she's also blind. No, she's blind. And again, story reason, like everyone's kind of going through shit here. Uh, but you were is you were it talking more comfortable to be invisible for Sue Storm. Is she like more? Is it like, ah, oh, finally, I took my belt off. Like, is that what Sue feels when she's invisible? Is that why she's like, fuck it? She doesn't see me anyway. It doesn't that's a great matter. question. I don't know if they've ever answered if she turns invisible or if she has to turn herself visible. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, I don't if I'm sure I'm not a smart person, so I'm sure that's been a story, Holy but it's not shit. one that I remember, you know. That would be a dope fucking story where like it takes more energy for Storm to Storm to like show herself than mm-hmm. it does to just be invisible. I, yeah, I should delete this. I should delete this part and just save this for my Fantastic Four story. <laughs> no, it's super interesting. Okay, anyway, you were talking about Ben being a whiner. I pulled a quote where he's talking about it's these people out there. One minute they love you, the next you're slime they wouldn't want on their shoes. What do they hate me for? What did I ever do so wrong? Like, that is, like, the complaining you were talking about, where it's him talking to Johnny about the people griping about him at the beginning of the story. And he normally complains just because he feels like he's gotten a short stick. Yeah. Because everyone got these superpowers <laughs> when they, you know, went up into yeah. space and were hit by that that cosmic radiation. And everyone can, like, turn their powers Sue is on. still Jessica Alba. Yeah, everyone She's can. Still doing yeah, great. And Reed Richards is still, is it Ion Gruffield, is that how you pronounce his name? I O A N, yeah, whatever that guy's name. The guy from, you know, the dude from Nip Tuck. Yeah, that guy. Wait, he wasn't in Nip Tuck. Doctor Doom was in Nip Tuck. Someone was from Doom is in Nip Tuck. Someone, someone was on. I haven't seen that show in twenty years, so I do not remember what happens on that show. I don't. That show is inappropriate. Don't. It certainly is. Uh, but that's like his like big chip on his shoulder is that like everyone else can like turn their powers on and off and like be people, and he's just always the thing. Right, he's always this disgusting glob of orange. Well, that and like Doom really hits the nail on the head. There's two like Shakespeare allusions that happen in the story. And so later, Doom compares Reed to Prospero, compares Johnny to Ariel, mm-hmm. and Ben Grimm to Caliban. And that's from I a didn't story. Catch that. That's from a story called The Tempest. Yeah. Which you're big into sci fi. Did you ever see that movie, Forbidden Planet? Like the really no, old. No, I don't think I have. The really old Leslie Nielsen one. I think I've seen like the the poster for it, but I've never actually watched. Yeah, with it. Uh, with Robbie the robot, right? Like the like the yeah, big the big yeah, weird yeah, dome yeah, yeah. guy yeah. looks like a fucking vending machine with arms. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's basically the story about like uh, I, th- I think they were shipwrecked, and Prospero is just like trying to control everything, okay. and so he he manages to like rest under his control, uh, like this nymph named Ariel who he can basically just like make go do weird shit and then like this incredibly strong brutish deformed thing named caliban and then he's it's like him trying to protect his daughter and then like a new ship shipwrecks on on the island and that's like where the tension in that story comes from but that's like one analogy and so just like comparing ben Grimm to caliban i gotta be honest i don't think of ben Grimm as like a huge shakespeare guy so i think that reference was probably a little over his head is but super mean but that's also like really reflective of how he actually feels 
And then earlier in the story, Ben is holding the Doombot skull that he's like talking to the decommissioned one. He's holding it the way Hamlet holds York's skull in in Hamlet. And so in Hamlet, that symbolized like mm. death as like the ultimate destination or whatever. Like this is like the yeah. end point for everything. And it's just so funny that he's holding it the way he was. And it's just like he's holding like literally like a, a facsimile of Doom's head. So it's like, oh, so Doom is the ultimate destination by even just holding this. It's like we are inevitable to Doom. And so right. I thought I thought those were two nice, nice illusions that uh, that Grant Morrison managed to sneak in with a uh, beautifully rendered by Jay Lee. Also, there's one comment here that I thought for sure you'd bring up. Where uh, it's Sue talking to Alicia, try, trying to say, like, oh, hey, I'd love to, like, meet up. Like, I just need to get out of the house. And then Sue say, did you read that article about subtle autism I sent you? Asperger syndrome, high intellect, high achievement, lack of empathy, single-minded pursuit of solitary interests. Sometimes I worry about Reed. No! I thought for I thought for sure you would have called that out. That is not one of the screenshots that I have from this comic. No. Okay. Uh, that is hilarious, though, because I do send a lot of like weird stuff that I find online where self-diagnosis and kind of just people being weird. I find that I find that all of that very, very interesting. Ready to move on to issue two? Yeah, let's talk about issue two. All right. Cover dated for November 10th, 2001 by the same creative oh, team. That's a long time later. No, sorry, it's cover dated. So like this came out in oh. August. Okay, okay. That's just, and yeah. so it's cover date. So I assume it comes out like with a November 10th cover date. It's usually like four months. So yeah, okay, it's, it's, okay. It's, it's like August. Actually, three months. Yeah, it's, it's like August 14th probably is like when okay. this book came out. Sue meets up with Alicia for lunch, complaining about the craziness of their lives and how she feels like she's doing everything on her own. Johnny goes on a date with some blonde who's clearly uncomfortable with his devil-may-care flippant attitude, and Ben is holed up in a hospital, having just had his right arm amputated after his hit-and-run accident. Fuck, <laughs> so unlucky. Yeah, it's not a great day for, for Ben Grimm. <laughs> Alicia implies that Sue is hung up on Namor, thinking about his body and prestige and the life they could have had, while Johnny is just aching for another chance to fight Namor. Alicia manages to convince Sue that her and Reed go through these cycles, and their next adventure will have them back to their definition of normal. We see Reed distressed in a body horror way in his think room. Doom celebrates <sighs> taking Sue off the board. The mole man knocks Alicia unconscious. Namor shows up and tries to seduce Sue. This is like the really famous panel where it's just like Sue oh opening the door I'm and, and seeing Namor just like <laughs> kind of in like a little like Abercrombie and Fitch like fuckboy pose. It's just like, oh That's God, I'm, I'm married. How dare yeah. you? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, tries to see Sue. One of the Mole Man's creatures starts attacking downtown and Johnny faces it alone. So a lot of action this issue, right? Yeah. A lot of action. Uh, one of the more famous panels you right into it it's like everyone's getting attacked yeah everyone's getting fucked i still don't personally like really understand how doom felt confident taking sue off the board at this point like i didn't really see a win like i thought if alicia had been manipulated into like trying to convince sue that she would be better off with namor namor but like it was kind of just sue talking about it so like maybe that maybe that that. was the win yeah so What's happening so far is just in case it's not clear is that everyone's kind of getting attacked. And then, cause like after, after um, 
the thing. What's his fucking? I don't remember his Ben Ben Grimm. Ben. Um, after he gets like turned back into human, hit by a car, amputated, all that bullshit, or I think it's somewhere before the amputation. Um, Doom is like that's one down or something like that, and so like basically like he's going after it's like you know Deadpool kills the Marvel universe is like the same thing where he's like going after each individual one trying to get them out of the way eventually to get to the the piece de resistance right um so yeah i don't know i i feel like it, i didn't realize that that's what Elysia's purpose was was to try to because you know they're like fucking around like in the psychic realm like <laughs> we find out but like I didn't realize that 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 was Alicia's purpose was that to get then Sue to um, feel tempted towards Namor. Is that a, is that a relationship that existed before in the Marvel universe where it was pretty one, it was pretty one-sided like Namor has always wanted Sue and, and Sue is like really hot and really like, like they make so much sense on paper, Okay, but she's always like, no, I love Reed. Like, like what, what like I'm, I'm married i've got two kids like what like what, what oh she has wandering? kids yeah actually oh, that's I right i don't know if the kids appear in, in this actually the kids do not appear in this comic so maybe the, that's how you know it's like an out of continuity tale because like they definitely yeah, had yeah, like yeah. two toddlers at this point and in, in the main marvel one, and one of them is like one of the most strong characters oh. in the marvel universe. franklin is ostensibly Psycho. god yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i got some more quotes here i got sue talking to alicia Meanwhile, I'm mooning around the Baxter building aquarium on a Saturday night, waiting for my husband to stop ignoring me. Can I help it if sometimes I dream about green glass submarines gliding through undersea palaces made of phosphor and jewelry? So, like, maybe that's the win. It's just, like, her talking about, like, kind of being tempted by Namor. Right. Or at least, like, being open to the idea. But then, like... so weird. Ben got hit by a car and amputated as a human being because he lost his his rock powers. Yeah, and and, 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 and all is, Sue gets is like, a oh, temptation might, of an yeah, idea. Yeah, I might I might want to fuck the hot pool boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you want to fuck the fish boy? Like the boys already kind of broke that whole like seduction part of it to me because he's fucking an octopus. But like. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's kind of weird. Like her it's, whole it's, thing is temptation. It's it's like that SNL sin. sketch. It's like that SNL sketch where like three people get abducted by aliens, and two of them are like, "Oh, it was an amazing experience. I was bathed in a pool of <laughs> yes! light, and, yes, and, and shown the hidden the hidden machinations of the universe." And then it's Kate McKinnon being like, "Yeah, gotta be honest, that was not my experience." <laughs> like, <You're> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that was the Ryan Gosling sketch. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. Uh, then Alicia says to Sue, why do you think these machines he builds have to be so expressive and individual? Why is it no one but Reed can make them work properly or design anything like them? Feel it. That's you, Sue. That's passion in everything he does. That's Reed's love in every line. He's not a scientist. He's an artist. And he puts all the things he can't say into the things he makes. If that which is, didn't like flip Sue back, I don't know what would have. That which is beautiful. yeah, that's also like one of the nicer things anyone's ever said about Reed. To be honest, he's usually kind of portrayed as like a dick, but just like an aloof, okay. an aloof asshole. And then other times he's portrayed as like literally the greatest father who's ever existed. Huh. But like to have him, to have him, 
like displayed this way as like a like a romantic i think is is really cool just because this is not a a take on reed we see very often if at all okay interesting that's good context yeah because i don't i don't know i'll get i'll get uh and then there's one scene in the book where like doom's right hand man comes up to him it's just like your allies in america are ready for you and he says tell them to wait a moment more this moment is mine alone it belongs to silence and hate now i don't know if you listened to to short box summary but last week we covered a dr doom book it was a really fun episode it was me and aaron do you remember aaron from yeah, yeah i know i haven't listened to it yet we covered that and so i felt kind of weird like not like talking about dr doom before talking about the fantastic four so now we're talking about Dr. Doom and the Fantastic Four, but that line of just, it belongs to silence and hate and just him viewing himself as like beyond mortality, just as like this abstract concept that he is the embodiment of silence and hate. And that like, this is for him alone to revel in. It's just fucking awesome. I love how arrogant yeah. and shitty Dr. Doom is. Now the explanation of Dr. We'll, we'll probably get into that once we get to like book four or three or whatever, but mm-hmm. The, ex- the explanation of how Dr. Doom began to exist. Is this part of its own contained story? Or is this, is Victor Von Doom or whatever the fuck his name is? Um, is like, is he, does he have like multiple incarnations? If that makes sense. He's lying in the story a lot. And like, it's literally, I think we're going to get into it in like the next okay, issue. Okay, but yeah. it... let's, let's, let's go into it. Let's go. Let's, okay. All right. Uh, one, two, three, four, number three with a cover date of December 26, 2001. So it probably came out mm-hmm. in September. A month later. Yeah. Johnny falls into the mole man's. Uh, sorry. Johnny fa- falls to the mole man's monster and Doom celebrates, taking him off the board. Yeah. What a. God what a fucking. I didn't mean to stutter so bad on that. Namor reveals that Doom is making his plan to kill Richards tonight and they cannot stop him. He agreed to help to win Sue's love. Mole Man agreed to help for Alicia's love. And that is like a longstanding thing in the comics where Alicia's or Mole Man has always loved Alicia. I think partly because or probably mostly because she's blind and can't see how. Yeah, she can't see how disgusting he is. Yeah, he's a pretty filthy little boy. <laughs> The heavy, wet winds extinguish Johnny's flame, and he falls from the sky deep underground to the Mole Man's lair. Ben recognizes that something is wrong, and it's all his fault, wondering what he can do to fix things. Sue and Namor crash the Mole Man's victory over the torch and reveals that Doom has developed a machine that makes his will reality. And Namor realizes that he's been used by Doom to deliver a giant Doombot through his underwater kingdom to attack the city. When Namor realizes that Doom sees him and the Mole Man as equals, he breaks his alliance and shatters the Mole Man's kingdom, drowning its caverns. For you, Namor says to Sue. Doom contacts Reed and shares how he's broken his family, revealing uh, his whole plan and asking what Reed has been doing. I've been thinking, responds Reed, and that's how the issue ends. Okay, so everything makes more sense now that we know that Doom has created a machine that makes his will reality, right? Like, 
the off characterization ben complaining so much in that first issue like more than normal like it's like oh that was doom like everything yeah. is explainable by this machine johnny being such a flippant douchebag not supremely out of character for him but to this extent a little bit out of character just like his his callousness because like normally mm-hmm. he'll be like a jerk to ben and then he'll see that he really hurts ben he's like i didn't mean to hurt you man i'm sorry like that's like generally johnny's behavior and then Sue just being all fucking horned up for Fishboy. <laughs> Not to say that, like, she isn't a little horned up. Like, I assume, you know, she might yeah. have a poster of him, like, on the ceiling in her bathroom. You know, just for when she's in the tub. I don't know. I, I, I've i never seen the Fantastic Four's bathroom. Yeah, Can she make it invisible so that people can't see it? It's just for her. I don't know. Maybe she lights a candle yeah. for him. That's like, you know, sea salt and, and tobacco. I don't know. I don't know. Mm, smells I, don't, nice. I haven't read every Fantastic Four comic. I can't say for sure. But everyone, like including Ben, all of them have been manipulated by Doom, just like pulling the strings of reality. And yeah. I think the only problem I have with this is answered pretty quickly in issue four. But it, it, the fact that it's just telling and not showing, you know, like it was like a verbal reveal. And it it's is. just like, how the fuck was I supposed to know that this was all part of the plan? And just you didn't have like a great grasp on these characters, you know? Yeah, it's like, oh, turns out to be some complicated psychic shit that you don't understand. Yeah, but like you can't show that. So it's just like, oh, I'm supposed to take it on face value. That's like, do I think you really understand these characters? Reading the first couple issues, like, I don't know if you do. But then like having this be the reveal, it's like, okay, this is actually kind of the perfect excuse to write them slightly off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Also, goddamn. Uh, uh, Namor being like, oh, man, this is such a great plan. Uh, Wait, he thinks you and I are the same? Fuck you. We are not the same. I am so much better than you. I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown your shit out. Yeah, I like I I, the entire time. Like, this is the first time I've also read about anything about Namor. And uh, I like first saw something like Johnny made a comment about how he was going to like set Namor on fire or something like that. Yeah. And Sue was like, don't do that. He's royalty. And Johnny was like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. And then I saw Johnny give his girlfriend third degree burns because he just wanted to look cool. <laughs> and he I was like, I don't he know didn't give cool. her. He did not give her a third degree burn. She made some comment about like, hey, like I want to go on a date. I didn't want to get cooked. Well done. <laughs> yeah. You but Because New York girls are fucking a... hilarious. Think about it. He was like, you better get used to it, baby, <laughs> or something. I don't know what the fuck he said. <laughs> but yeah, he was just kind of a dick about it, too. And I don't know. I uh, I didn't love that portrayal of Johnny. I, but uh, everyone is supremely unlikable and unlike themselves in the first three issues here so far, which is fair. Yeah. 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 Uh, what issue are we on? Three? Four? We're still on three. I got okay. some quotes I wanted to uh, to throw out here. Uh, Doom had an amazing quote at the beginning, I thought, where he said, all men, even the noblest, are driven by the same base impulses. The sweet smile of the peace activist hides his raging need to make yeah. war on the makers of war. Behind every selfless act, behind every example of so-called heroism, there lies the craving for validation and status in the eyes of others. It is only the lessons of our experience which make monsters of us or saints. It's interesting. It's an interesting worldview. Yeah, it's weird that this guy is like a fucking crack the whip dictator. 
at least that's how Reed explains them to people, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, we've explained a lot of people like that throughout history. <laughs> but yeah, is so I don't know if like Doom is like a... I mean, he's fucking cool, but I don't know, like, if he is as bad because I mean, he does make a comment about like, you know, not being as bad as, as he's portrayed. You know, like him being the always portrayed as the villain. I mean, he did do some fucked up shit, but in this comic, but like, the yeah, innocent but people. Th- but you know, what that's did also one do to Latveria. But that's also explained in the next issue, right? So yeah, I mean, I don't know how bad of a guy he actually is. He's a pretty, fu- he's a pretty fucking bad guy. Uh, okay. What's really, you should really listen to the last episode of Short Box Summary because we okay, do, yeah. we do, we do a story called The Books of Doom, which, like, granted, came out years after this book. Okay. You know, so like, it, it's not like it was like, oh, let me let me explain some things that happened in one, two, three, four. That that wasn't the goal at all. But it was supposed to be just like a a, a probable, if not possible, origin story. Okay. Of Doctor Doom, and it just covers his entire life and like how he became the the leader of Latveria. Interesting stuff. Uh, but again, it's just like you're like literally the the least reliable narrator that has ever existed. So like, why the fuck should I actually trust anything you have to say? Right. Right. Yeah. And so we we jump into it in one two three four number four, uh, with a cover date of January tenth two thousand two. So probably October. I'm guessing. 2001. Reed tells us about a past that's unfamiliar to readers, one where he's a sociopathic and sadistic man who uses science to harm and collect power. And so this is like Reed like explaining his origins and then him realizing that like this is the lie that Doom told Ben that convinced Ben to to believe Doom and unmake himself as the thing. And this okay. is the this is the scene I was specifically referring to, where like you see reality be manipulated. And I just, yeah, yeah. as far as like this, this part was telling instead of showing, and that's why I appreciated this so much. He realizes this is because of a device that Doom built, one with the power to change reality and make people do things they would never normally do. When he felt the beginnings of its effect, he locked himself in a room to build a better one of his own. The giant Doom bot begins attacking the Baxter building, clawing to get at Reed. An amputated Ben arrives, demanding to see Reed and is attacked by the giant robot, but saved by Sue, doing her best to protect the depowered Ben and weaken Johnny. Johnny and Namor make a play on the robot, flying through its face and tearing its head off, but the giant robot fights on. In the Baxter belt, uh, sorry, in the Baxter building, Johnny finds Reed, who has stretched his body to inhuman shapes in an effort to grow the brain capacity to outthink Doom at his own game, as he manipulates reality to counter his moves. This is all kind of confusing, to be honest, but Reed makes it clear when he says, "Quote: Victor has been trying to play a kind of four-dimensional chess with our lives and minds, but his strategies are very rigid and predictable. I've realized all I had to do is stretch my consciousness to see new possibilities and connections, and grow new brain structures to outplay him." And it's portrayed in the art a little bit, you know, like they kind of give you hints that there's like some weird four-dimensional chess, like it's a little bit hand and fist. Yeah, for sure. Style. Yeah, that and I love like the weird body horror shit that's happening to Reed, where like he actually just grows like new new appendages on his face. He's outstretched to like to like weird body shapes, just because like he looks like he's 
stretched out like a fucking like a clothesline basically it looks painful and he's got like weird tendrils like kind of growing off his head just to like compensate for like the new shape he needs his brain to be to be smarter than doom batshit stuff like happening all at once like it's not really like explained throughout the story but it's just oh also i had to ex- just extensuate my body my brain power <laughs> to be able to i don't discover a new way for me to psychically navigate so that i can understand this four-dimensional shit like it's just batshit stuff well it's you know it's mr cool. fantastic doesn't just bend he's it's, just, it's cool shit insane. yeah because like normally he does just fucking bend right right like normally he turns into like a giant rubber ball to bounce around you know like this enemy <laughs> yeah. ship to break the computers or whatever yeah, or like yeah. someone's falling, let me stretch and 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 catch them, or turn into a giant trampoline to catch them safely. Like it's always shit like that. But to have him actually like stretch the shape of his fucking brain to better compensate for like the the mental horsepower he needs to like outthink Doom, it, it, fucking great stuff. Like really great yeah. stuff. Yeah, and he's manipulating people on so many different levels, whether it's like on emotional uh, relationship levels, whether it's on, you know, what you desire the most, whether it's on, I don't know what plan he had. I still don't understand. What did he do for um, uh, fucking... for Johnny? Johnny, what was Johnny's? Johnny, he like convinced Namor. Namor? He like... Namor made it so humid that Johnny couldn't like light up basically like he couldn't become the human torch. Okay. And so, so that... Namor got Sue to, you know, fall in love with him and also for Johnny to took out took out Johnny okay. and then made it so I think uh he was supposed to deliver Johnny to the mole man and then Yeah. The, the mole man fucking hates him because he burns so bright and he like lives underground so he's got like very that's very why? underdeveloped sensitive eyes so that's why he wanted to cut him out and, and cut his eyes make out and like make, make him blind yeah because he fucking hates johnny because he's basically johnny's like a son for underground you know like oh my god that's so stupid no that's fucking awesome That that's like real petty levels of of revenge that i that's I can... like I, I can appreciate bugs so much during the springtime that I wish every surface was made out of glue. That's that's the equivalent of that. It's kind so of, yeah. Stupid. Or like you hate you hate bugs so much that like you won't even pet my dog Cricket because it's, <laughs> because he's named Cricket. <laughs> Cricket's gonna pee on you so much when he sees you. He's gonna fucking love you. He's he's gonna fucking love you. Well, because you got long hair the way his dad used to have long hair before he got a haircut. I'm dad. I am the long-haired dad you used to know. <laughs> ben feels sorry for himself, and Sue finds the gauntlet of the Doombot that brought him to Latveria in the first place. Realizing that this is Ben uh, before the accident with cosmic radiation, she figures he's from a different time, unwound like a ball of yarn, and takes Ben to Latveria to wrap him back up. Sue saunters off and beats Doom with a large candelabrum, tearing him down verbally, showing him the pettiness of not just his plan, but his mindset. With Ben restored, he teleports back. Oh my God. He teleports back to the Baxter building uh, and destroys the headless giant Doombot. And I'm going to take a quick break because I just spilled a glass of wine. And that's that's the series. Like that that was the entire series. I got like one quote from Reed to Doom that I really like, and I've also got a quote from Sue to Doom, which I really like. Uh Reed to Doom. 
My family are an equation. Alter one part of the equation and it no longer tells the truth. You failed at the start. You can't change our essential nature any more than you can change E equals MC squared. Are you my opposite, Victor? Are we reverse conceptual mirrors doomed to reflect? Do you really think you're everything I deny in myself? And so I thought that was a really insightful quote based on, especially on the beginning, where like he basically, the lie that Doom told Ben was like, Reed's been manipulating everyone all along. Like this is like, I'm not a bad guy. I'm, I'm a good guy. But it's it's Reed who's given me a bad rap everywhere, right? And like the idea that like I have this like dark side that I call Victor and that's like what the real Doom is. R- Reed is actually the bad guy. I just thought that was pretty fascinating shit to be completely honest. So that was that was a lie. No, that, that I, was I was confused by that. So so it's not that doom because it, it made it seem like Richard basically wanted to get rid of this evil part of himself. This part that he like he has like an issue with like his anger management. He said, mm-hmm. and he he went to somewhere, did something. I don't know if it, I can't remember what it was, but basically separated this version of himself that had all of his evil, his hate, his, you know, frustrations, whatever the fuck. Yeah. And he was able to separate it into its own being, which became Victor, and they chained the motherfucker up, and he was like, I'm out. I don't want to deal with it anymore. So basically, he didn't deal with his own fucking demons. He just chained it up and left it somewhere. And so he never got around to fix- fixing it. And... That so that was a lie that Victor told that Victor used to trick everybody, or was that actually true in stories that Victor actually began to exist? That was that was the lie that he told Ben to like convince him that he could trust him and that he's not like a bad guy. And then like Sue even says something in the story where she's like, "No, what are you talking? Like we all went to fucking college together. Like we were all at state (laughs) university. (laughs) Like." He's right, not some right. like weird repressed ego or or, or id of, of Reed. Like he's just like a fucking bastard. Like he's just like a bad person. Yeah, and so yeah. she has this quote. She beats the fuck out of Doom. Like she, you know, gets invisible while Ben is transforming back into the thing. And she picks up like one yeah. of those giant candlestick holders, which I've learned is called a candelabrum. Not not bra. That's like a smaller one. That's like a handheld one. This is like a two-hander. That's a candelabrum uh... with an M. Cool stuff. Yeah. I like, I like comics. You get to get to learn words. Yeah. And then she hits the, like, she just beats the fuck out of him. And he says, how dare you? I will destroy you, Susan Richards. And then she just fucking tears him a new one. Reads his ass the riot That's act. Armor. Yeah. But hits him in the face on the top of the head, I think, where he's, he's not wearing armor, just mm-hmm. a mask. That on the spot, the little soft, gushy spot. But God, she, yeah, she reads him. She reads in the right act and she just goes, oh, shut up and listen to someone else for once. Stop talking in that ridiculous way. What's your problem, Victor? What have we ever actually done to you to deserve this stupid waste of everyone's time? Are you listening to me? Sitting there with your stupid machines and your childish jealousy when you should have been curing cancer or or taking your people to the stars. What's the point of talking to you? Would you like me to explain this in a language you understand? Try anything like this ever again and I'll put a thousand force field bubbles inside that mighty brain of yours and burst it from the inside. Toys. (laughs) Honestly, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I think she's kind of got a point. (laughs) I I got to side with my girl Sue here. I feel like in history, Mm -hmm. when people have said shit like that, they absolutely have pressed the fuck out of somebody before saying it. (laughs) I'm sorry. They absolutely. They absolutely what? Sorry. 
have impressed the fuck out of like a group of people or somebody before like saying those lines. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the way Sue's saying it makes it sound like they aren't absolutely implicit in whatever the fuck is happening to do whatever he's mad about. Like they're like, what have we actually even done to you? And he's like, a lot of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is there like actually like good reason for him to like blame the Fantastic Four? Or is like I or is he just like what is his reason for being angry with 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 um Mr. Fantastic in the first place? It usually it it, it again it depends on who you think is the more reliable narrator of the story whether you think it is doom or the four and so if you if you follow doom's side of the story it's like reed is and you listen to that last episode yeah (laughs) Yeah, sorry man i i I don't mean to throw you under the bus uh but it's like oh yeah Reed is like this fucking country bumpkin, basically, who doesn't hold a candle to Doom's brilliance and his incompetence actually costs Doom quite a bit, right? Like, that's the story according to Doom. And then the story according to Reed is like, no, he's like a fucking arrogant misanthrope who, like, doesn't understand his own limitations and puts everyone at risk. So it really depends on on, on who you believe. I'm more inclined. I'm more inclined to believe Reed. And I, okay. I might just be like a homer. I might just be a sucker for, you know, I, I love a good Fantastic Four comic. Sure. And I generally trust Reed. Even even the issues where he's like a cold, detached, like basically a fucking, what, what race is, is Spock? Is he, is he Vulcan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically everything that's not cool about the Vulcans in, in the Star Trek movies. Right, right. Just emotionally but, devoid. Yeah, but I generally trust him to have people's best interests at heart. I also do think it's really funny that, like, this is, like, there's, like, that really famous, like, Spider-Man panel where it's just, like, well, you're you're rewriting recombinant DNA on the fly, but, like, with power like that, you could cure cancer. And he's, like, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs, you know? And it's just, like, yeah, why hasn't Dr. Doom cured cancer actually why have if you're you're so fucking smart that is why reed richards is basically the villain in this other comic book series from dc at the time called planetary like that's what i was curious about like why was reed accusing or um what's her fuck uh sue accusing doom of like she's like why don't you spend your time better and cure cancer i'm like well did you all fucking do that like who did that then is that something that exists everywhere outside of latin area no no it's it's generally understood at least as far as i say it's generally understood that like reed is always working on this crazy cool shit and then gets interrupted by doom trying to seek revenge for something whereas doom spends all of his time proactively thinking about ways to take down the fantastic four for petty bullshit reasons you know right and so it's just like oh reed would love to focus on this important stuff like oh yeah why don't we cure alzheimer's why don't we come up with like you know photovoltaics that cost two cents to produce and capture you know 900 times the amount of sunlight as they do now you know it's always like why like why is why is global warming a problem in the Marvel universe with people like Reed Richards and Tony Stark and right. and Hank Pym and all this shit? And it's because they're too busy being wronged by these petty emotional supervillains who you know just need to go to fucking therapy to sort their shit out. Yeah, after Shield manipulated 
a bunch of people to go do some shit that destabilized their country. Oh, you remembered. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so that, that, that's, that's kind of what I was wondering, you know, because like this isn't just like me applying the Marvel Universe to real life. This is like the Marvel Universe as it exists. Like, yeah, I mean, keep in mind this this story, this story takes place itself. This story takes place five years before that story does. Right. Right. So keep keep so, that in mind. Yeah, and again, not, I don't know if this continuity. is I don't know if this is in continuity or out of continuity. I don't see any reason why it couldn't be in continuity as, as we talked about earlier. Just because yeah. it's like, oh, it's a reality altering machine, but then Reed makes his own reality altering machine and you know alters reality back to normal. It's like there's yeah. nothing like precluding that story from happening between other adventures. But uh, I like just reading this as like a graphic novel. I thought. I, I revisiting i thought it read really well i think this is actually like one of the better yeah. comics we've read on this show yeah i think it, i think it has some things i'm like i didn't fully understand i didn't know under, i didn't know if there was like something that was that would have explained some of those things like why victor's really after reed or mm-hmm. why the thing is so emotionally depressed or why sue is you know like i I didn't really know why but it's and like you said it is very it's written very like um it it told you why instead of showed you why um i at least i thought until i noticed like some of those panels were like you know where reed is just getting like warped and like some weird body horror image right like like a john carpenter deleted scene yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but he was like psychically like fighting richard or sorry uh uh victor like i it, it's weird it doesn't really like explain it fully but you kind of have to accept it as is mm-hmm. and it's so smart that i can't tell if it makes sense or if it's just like silly makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That I, th- I think it's really counting on you to understand the dynamics of the relationships, like not just with everyone and in, in Doom, but like everyone and each other, like to know about Johnny and Ben's relationship, to know about Ben and Sue's relationship, to know about, yeah. you know, Johnny and Reed's relationship, in addition to characters like Mole Man and, and Namor and and Yeah, and which I did. I've only known by name. Sure. And yeah. so I didn't mean to throw you in the deep end, but like, I guess it no, does no. like require you to have like a base knowledge and then it just kind of like runs in its own direction and it like makes kinda, the good characters to use the knowing now and know. twists everything around to to suit its own own end i guess yeah, but yeah. fabio what did you think man like you said this is your first fantastic four comic how, how are we feeling at the end of it yeah um i'm glad it was self-contained i do like that um mm-hmm. I feel like I don't really understand these characters with your explanation. It makes a little bit more sense to me now. Um, But before this, like I I didn't really understand like why. (laughs) So I feel like without the context, it's kind of hard to understand other than just accept. Um, So yeah, I don't know if this is like the perfect start into the fantastic four for me, but it, it, it definitely uh it was interesting it doesn't tell you why any of this shit you know it doesn't tell you why victor's pissed it doesn't tell you why or how i guess all this stuff is happening Mm -hmm. so like if you want like a fantastic for like intro story this probably isn't 
No, no, not even but a little maybe bit. Maybe just go watch the movie and uh you'll kind of you'll kind of get it, maybe. Yeah, this <laughs> this story really treats them more like archetypes than anything else, right? Like Yeah. Like it has it has the presupposition that you know who these characters are and their interplay. And I guess I thought that they were more well known than that i had no idea this was your first fantastic four comic but i assume yeah, just yeah. like knowing the nerdy circles that you and i both find ourselves swimming in on a daily weekly yearly basis i guess i just assumed you, you knew more and that you'd be you'd be okay i know as much as the the movies have told so i know like the backstory of how they did it you know become the fantastic four and everything i don't know their relationships with other marvel characters gotcha. as much but um it does make sense. And I did like, ultimately I did enjoy the story for what it was because it was a story of, you know, manipulation. And I, I find always manipulation as like an interesting theme just because every day we're manipulated, you know, like constantly, mm-hmm. like without realizing it, like oh, no, I, I, things I, were, I cried at a commercial that. the other day that was like, yeah. for, like anti-defamation league, you know, it was, it was just, talking about like stomping out like anti-semitic hate and like i was like crying by the end of it and i was like oh yeah Yeah. i was yeah you know how much money went into that shit just fucking give a shit sometimes you know what i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's just like it's subtle things that you don't realize that you're constantly being manipulated by and that's not a necessarily bad one just anti-semitism you know that's how you should feel or whatever but like uh it's just I think that you know that 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 concept of like wanting to get what you want is not always uh as it's a, it's a selfish thing you know mm-hmm. it's ultimately all of them were operating off of selfish desires and the only one that gave a shit was reed apparently but like with that 4d chess but um it's just interesting how like all of them got manipulated i don't know if they're all like psych like as far as nerd shit goes like if on the psychic levels they're just weaker characters i don't know if they typically are but as far as stats go i don't even i don't even think it was like psychicness like i think he was literally rewriting the rules of reality like he was changing the fundamental structure of the universe and history so it wasn't like their brains were being manipulated like it was like he was going back in time and like twisting dials and and turning knobs and stuff to like change them and like it's so weird so much it's so much george it's so much and like i said it's like exclusively told and not shown right right you know where it's like oh that that was explained in like a dialogue between namor and sue in front of the mole man in issue three and it's like i don't know maybe it would have been nice to see him you know, twisting these dials, turning those knobs, just to better understand the effects of, of what was happening, you know. But he only had four issues to do oh, it. Only I had guess. four issues, yeah. One, two, three, four. He wrote it in the fucking title. Before we wrap up, I want to spend a second talking about the art by Jay Lee. I think this is incredible stuff. I really like just the way he poses anatomy. Like there's something so I want to say like almost uncomfortable about it. Like that page we were talking about where Namor is like at the door that Sue opens. Right. And she's like <laughs> frozen. It's almost like a pinup, but it's like not sexy enough to be a pinup, but like the frozen nature of her anatomy. And like yeah. the, like I said, like the cold pose of like his like Abercrombie and Fitch model, like in front of the store, like they used to do back in the day. 
I just think there's something so alien, but like pristine about the way he poses characters with his anatomy that I, I, I just think it's like fascinating and no one does it like him and how, especially with these colors by uh, Jose uh, Rubia, like there's just like a, a, a darkness and like a weight to it that just feels like this book could only exist in 2001. Right. Like it's got like that, like kind of greenish hue of like the matrix at some points. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, it's just fascinating to look at. I can't believe like how all art kind of just like took a dovetail into that direction for a couple of years. And I like to understand why it even stopped. I, I guess people were just yeah. tired of it, but it's I, the I, heavy blacks and stuff like that. Yeah. I like, I, I was just having a conversation about this the other day. Like I truly miss that specific art style, like early two thousands um, where it's just, everything's a little bit grittier. Everything's a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. There's this, it doesn't, it's not good, but I just have a very strong nostalgia for it. I, I hear you 10,000%. I mean, that's kind of why I started this podcast, just because, like, <laughs> God, I just miss, I don't even, like, know if I miss the art or if I just miss the way art made me feel in 2005, yeah. 2006, you know, and so just trying to unpack that a little bit more, dig a little deeper. Yeah, and when you're having, you know, topics about rewriting the entire uh superstructure of reality (laughs) yeah yeah exactly when you're rewriting that like at that point you know i think that it's hard like where do you go from there you know what i mean and like Mm -hmm. it's hard to write a new story after that (laughs) i do like that he got in he got out didn't or sorry they got in they got out they did in four issues uh, thank you, Graham Morrison. Thank you, Jay Lee. Because I feel like this could easily have been pitched as like a 12-issue series, you know, yeah. just like, let's explore every core. Like, this could have been Batman Hush, which we revisited right. recently on the show, and it did not actually have particularly kind things to say about it. This is almost a, um, a uh, what's the name of that comic? God damn it. Uh, House of M type for the Fantastic Four if it would have just been a little bit more elaborated you know for a little for a little bit yeah except we didn't even see them like they were different the world wasn't different and so it was like almost less interesting because like at least in House of M like you got to see the impact of, of things right, that were done exactly. right and yeah, so you like, got to how see how many issues is that six or eight House of M was eight eight okay so like that you know maybe if this would have at least gotten eight we could have gotten some of that there you know (laughs) yeah and just seeing like a world affected by their decisions as opposed to just their relationships affected by their decisions which is just yeah uh hard to convey in a comic i think especially but really really ambitious and uh i'm really glad this book exists like i said not the first fantastic four book i'd recommend to someone who wants to read it on the characters but i think a very very good one especially if you're not a bad one yeah slightly more familiar with the characters and you seem to like it despite this being your first book so that's that's good yeah, I mean, like, I think if you explore it a little bit on the human level and, like, what was happening and the psychological level of, like, what Reed was doing, uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It has its own merits. It, it definitely, I think it was cut short, but it yeah. is very interesting. All right, well, Fabio, that's about all I got. Thank you for suggesting this. Thank you for reading it. We're going to have you back on the show, I hope, more now that you're a little more established on the east coast and we're in the same time zone we can both stay up until ungodly hours at the same time it's nice yeah 
it's nice working for west coast companies on the east coast oh my god it's secretly the fucking best isn't it <laughs> it's like i miss the west coast sports schedule so much it was so great like being done with football by 8 p.m on a sunday yeah that was yeah, yeah. that was excellent but man working for a west coast company and like oh man first meetings at noon fuck yeah i just get I don't to treat know if it's good for me but oh i think it's, it's great i just treat the it. i just treat the morning like a study hall basically just like catching up on all the work i didn't finish the day before yeah no that's fair well yeah all right well we'll be Thanks back in your ear holes next week thank you so much for listening like i said earlier please review leave a comment just interact with the show let us know you're listening let us know what you like let us know what you don't like that'd be so incredibly fucking cool of you to do and um yeah it might be a couple more issues i kind of want to save house of m until it gets a little warmer because that's just like such a summer book to me but we are barreling headlong towards house of m and i'm trying to think of some special content we could do around that just because it is such a big deal and we'll set the tone of the show years to come so like i said we'll be back in your holes next week until then have a wonderful time and we'll talk to you soon goodbye goodbye <laughs>